Right, hello Year 12, this is Mr McLaughlin and we're going to be looking at scene 8 from A Streetcar Named Desire. So please make sure you've got your copies of the play text out so we can annotate this scene together. We begin with the stage directions. Three quarters of an hour later, the view through the big windows is fading gradually into a still golden dusk. A torch of sunlight blazes on the side of a big water tank or oil drum across the empty lot towards the business district, which is now pierced by pinpoints of lighted windows or windows reflecting the sunset. Um, the emphasis, of course, here is on the warmth of New Orleans, of, of the French Quarter. Um, and interestingly, Williams offers us, um, or offers the 1940s audience, a glimpse of the external world here, um, far beyond the, the domestic um, sphere of, of the Kowalski apartment. Um, something else to note is that this warmth, um, you know, which we have seen throughout the play becomes a standard, becomes constant and some, you know, and stable, um, which contrasts the emotional coldness of, of Blanche's birthday. Um, and it also significantly contrasts the previous stage direction, which, of course, uh, gave us a sense of the hectic breakdown um, of, of Blanche's own mental faculties. We've got the distant piano goes into a hectic breakdown, the cacophony there, suggesting some kind of um, breakup, mental breakup. Um, Later on in the stage directions, um, we also note the vacant uh, fourth place at the table, which is a very strong, dramatic visual image of Mitch's own rejection of Blanche Dubois. The emptiness there is something that I think Williams really wants to get across to his to his audience. Blanche is obviously feeling very uncomfortable um, and we start with a joke. Now, Blanche asks Stanley to, to tell everyone a joke, but Stanley says, of course, I don't know any refined enough for your taste. Um, throughout the play, we've had loads of bawdy, really vulgar uh, jokes being made. I mean, I'm thinking of scene three um, when we had, who was it? I think it was Steve um, telling the joke of of the of the chickens and, and the young hen, etc. Um, and uh, was what was quite striking was that that joke was well received by the like of Pablo, for instance. And when Blanche goes on to tell this very ineffectual joke of of the parrot and and the the old maid it seems like her own sense of humor has no place within this very crude brutal vulgar world of 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 new orleans um if you really want to read into this joke, and I think it's important to always try and figure out what Williams is trying to do with with um, with any uh, with any jokes in the play. I mean, obviously Stanley represents the 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 vulgar parrot. He's better suited to to darkness. Um, Blanche, of course, perhaps could be the easily offended old maid who 
attempts to silence the parrot, but is unable to to do so. Um, however, what's what I think is really significant is the next stage direction after this terrible joke. Um, Stanley, of course, is paying no attention to the story. We expect this, but reaches way over the table to spear his fork into the remaining chop. Highlight spear, ladies and gentlemen. The spear, of course, is another subtle reference to his more primitive side, his more um, crude Dionysian um aspect of 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 his character remember he is a member of the stone age so it's not it's not a surprise that he wants to spear his fork into the remaining chop um interestingly he also eats with his fingers i mean that is something uh, quite tasteless remember that blanche and and stella belonging to the more refined aristocratic upper classes of of mississippi would have found this pretty, pretty tasteless. Um, and, you know, this is going to be a recipe of, uh, for disaster because uh, Blanche says, apparently Mr. Kowalski was not amused. Stella says, Mr. Kowalski is too busy making a pig of himself to think of anything else. This is quite... Um, uh, not just emasculating, but the fact that that she calls him a pig, a pig, of course, a symbol of, of you know, being dirty and she, and, and she employs animalistic imagery to to describe Stanley he's not going to take that very well um and then the ultimate blow is when Stella says your face and your fingers are disgustingly greasy remember he is eating with his fingers um and as, as I've already mentioned this would not have been proper etiquette for the you know the more refined uh you know southern bells from from Mississippi so when she says go and wash up and then help me clear the table that is the most emasculating thing she could have said to her husband Stanley is going to be stung by this um you know he is very sensitive about you know the persistent slurs that he has faced because of his ethnic origin because because of his class um you know uh which explains this this very strong outburst that that comes next the stage direction he hurls a plate to the floor is key please highlight hurls this is a very crude action is very brutal um and it suggests that you know he he has had enough then we have a uh, an important speech. Stanley says, that's how I'll clear the table. He seizes her arm. Look at the violence there. We know that um, that this is a play in which New Orleans um, pretty much normalizes uh, any kind of physical aggression. But then he says, don't ever talk that way to me, p- uh, pig, Polak, disgusting, vulgar, greasy. The listing there suggesting, you know, he he has been stung by these persistent slurs and he's had enough. What's really interesting is when he goes on to say, what do you think, uh, what do you two think you are? A pair of queens? I'm not going to um, go on about this. You know what to annotate for a pair of queens. He consistently refers to Blanche as, you know, being the queen of the Nile, president of the United States, etc., etc. So this labelling is 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 incredibly uh, sarcastic. But then when he says, remember what Huey Long said, every man is a king. 
highlight Huey Long said, every man is a king. Now, Huey Long, for those of you who don't know, was the governor of, of, of Louisiana. Um, he, um, if I'm not mistaken, he, he decreased unemployment rates. Um, and bearing in mind Stanley is a member of, of the proletariat, the thriving proletariat within this new America, he would have aligned himself closely to the politics of, of Huey Long. But something else to note is that this politician, this governor, was a tyrant and he abused his position of power. Um, and this is something that, that Stanley does throughout the play. He is himself a tyrant. He does abuse his, his position constantly throughout um, the play. But what is significant is that he, of course, uses Huey Long's um, expression, misquotes it in order to gain that that power and control over the characters of, of Blanche and, and Stella. Now, when he says every man is a king, that is also a jibe at the, um, the female characters in the play. Men, of course, ultimately, um, within this patriarchal system of 1940s America, they have the power, they have the control, and women must be subservient to man. Then he goes on to say, and I am the king around here, so don't forget it. He hurls a cup, uh, highlight hurls. So hurls, you know, that, that verb is repeated, um, you know, incredibly significant considering how violent this character has become um, throughout uh, the play. Anyway, so Stella begins to cry weakly. Stanley stalks out on the porch, highlights stalks, another primitive animalistic movement. Um, and we have the lovely stage direction. The Negro entertainers around the corner are heard. You know, the jazz, the blues, the natural idiom, the, the language of New Orleans um, becomes, uh, becomes heard, suggesting that this environment is thriving. Let's move on a little bit um, to, where are we gonna go to? Oh yes, let's go to, of course, Blanche decides to, to call Mitch. And Stell, uh, let's start with Stanley's line. Stell, it's going to be all right after she goes and after you've had the baby. Highlight that quotation. I think I think that's a really important thing to to discuss. It's going to be all right after she goes. Um, bear in mind and think about the theories of tragedy. There's a very stable cosmos in, in New Orleans, a stable environment, a stable milieu. What disrupts this, this stability is the character of Blanche Dubois, who, of course, is vying for, for Stella. She is a threat to Stanley's own turf. She is a threat to Stanley's own existence, his power and control, etc., so it's going to be all right after she goes. Remember, he has bought the bus ticket. Blanche doesn't know this yet. Um, and once she goes, everything will go back to normal. Um, and when uh, Stella has the baby, that just affirms, that is an affirmation that Stanley and his, uh, his cultural identity um, will be the ultimate victors within this Darwinian social experiment. <laughs> 
Then we move on. It's going to be all right again between you and me the way that it was. You remember that way that it was, the nights we had together. Again, the emphasis on the dark. We know that in scene four, Stella said things happen between a man and a woman in the dark. He is, of course, talking about desire, the the expression of libidinous desire here. God, honey, it's going to be sweet when we can make noise in the night the way that we used to. Again, yes, he's talking about sex here and get the coloured lights going with nobody's sister behind the curtains to hear us highlight that. Another subtle reference to the um, intimate, claustrophobic nature of the Kowalski apartment. They cannot exercise their, their libidinous desires because Blanche is, is there and she, of course, can overhear them having sex. Now, Whilst, of course, Stanley and Stella are not having sex because Stella's sister is staying with them, notice the next stage direction. Their upstairs neighbours, so we know that this is Steve and Eunice, are heard in bellowing laughter at something. Stanley chuckles. Steve and Eunice, yes, they're minor characters, but they are doubles. They, you know, they suggest the what is normal the the, the, the standard behaviors that is expected here in in New Orleans um they're having a great time yeah we don't know what they're laughing about but clearly here their relationship is is incredibly intimate we know it's also violent um as we have seen earlier on in the play but when Stanley says ah oh, Steve and Eunice I think there's a hint of jealousy here uh, he wants things to go back to normal with, you know, how things used to be uh, with Stella before Blanche arrived. Then Stella says, come on back in. Uh, stage direction, she returns to the kitchen and starts lighting the candles on the white cake. Blanche, Blanche comes uh, and says, yes, she returns from the bedroom to the table in the kitchen. And she says, oh, those pretty, pretty light candle, a little candle, sorry. Um. The candles, of course, we know that there's going to be some kind of symbolic attachment here. The emphasis on pretty. Um, we know that Blanche has this natural proclivity towards, uh, you know, beautification of, of reality. Think of, I don't know, think of the quotation, for instance, funerals are pretty. She wants to find things that are pretty, far removed from any kind of brutal reality. And she says, oh, don't burn them. Don't burn and the, the candles, Stella. I think I would highlight that if I were you, because I'm just thinking, don't burn them. She wants these candles to endure. She wants these candles to be saved for the baby's future birthdays. I think this, this has to be significant on several levels, because while she wants to preserve these candles, the preservation of these candles suggests that the candles themselves can move on to the future, can adapt to different circumstances. Whereas Blanche, of course, cannot adapt, cannot endure, cannot survive. And when she says, don't burn them, Stella, we know, and I'm thinking, remember when Stanley held the Belle Reeve papers in, in um, was it, was, was it scene two? Um, yes, it was. Um, when he held the papers of Belle Reeve, suggesting, of course, that this new American um, identity is finally holding on to the past, uh, controlling um, Blanche's past of, you know, the Deep South, etc. 
She says, now I'm going to have to burn them because they're in your big, capable hands. Here, Blanche says, perhaps I'm reading too too much into this, but don't burn them. I think I think there's something there about burning. Um, you know, don't 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 use them, don't destroy them. Um, we want to preserve them in the pretty states that they are in. Um, but anyway, Stella goes on to say, I certainly will. Stanley comes back in. Blanche says, you ought to save them for ber- baby's birthdays. We talked about why that's significant. Oh, I hope candles are going to glow in his life. And I hope that his eyes are going to be like candles, like two blue candles lighted in a white cake. Um, you've got the similes there. It's very poetic. It's high-blown, high-blown rhetoric that, that Blanche is employing here. Um, very romanticised. Um, and then, of course, Stanley punctures that with what poetry. Um, Blanche says his auntie knows candles aren't safe, that candles burn out in little boys' and girls' eyes. Of course, she is perhaps remembering um, her own past with, with, with Alan Gray. Remember, uh, they were incredibly, incredibly young when they first experienced love. Um, and um, remember the quotation that, you know, as soon as she found out what Alan Gray was, all the light in her world was was uh, pretty much uh, turned off. Um, so here, when she says the candles burn out in little boys' and girls' eyes, all that, the romantic, the idealised notions of, of, of um, a, a fantasy world at one point or another will succumb to brutal reality. Yeah, um, which explains why she says a wind blows them out and after that happens, electric bulbs go on and you see too plainly. We know that Blanche has this tremendous fear of of being forced to see, um, you know, into the truth of things. Um, always remember that quotation that she desires magic. She wants to live in a world of, of illusion. So she is terrified of the electric light bulbs going on. Anyway, then uh, Stanley, uh, let's just move on a couple of lines. Uh, Stanley starts talking about the steam from the bathroom. Obviously, Blanche has been bathing for quite some time. Then Blanche says, I've said I was sorry three times. The piano fades out. I take hot baths for my nerves. Hydrotherapy, they call it. You know, we're not going to talk about the significance of bathing. We've talked about that in enough detail. But this is significant when she says, you healthy Polak. Yeah, she is criticising Stanley. This is another jibe at his, his ethnicity. She inherently believes that she is superior because she comes from that French colonial uh, heritage, etc. We know that. But could there be a hint of jealousy? Because Stanley, whilst he is a Polak, he is healthy. We know that Blanche is not. She is experiencing mental disintegration. She is um, suffering from from anxiety. Uh, we know that she is approaching some kind of death. So you might suggest that even though she is very reprimanding of the Polak, there is this charge of jealousy in that line. 
When she says, without a nerve in your body, of course, you don't know what anxiety feels like. She's suggesting that here he is primitive in a sense because he is desensitized. He, he, um, he, he does not know what it's like to to have you know um, a high emotional register. And then Stanley, of course, as we imagine, goes absolutely insane. He says, now this is an important quotation, ladies and gentlemen. He says, I am not a Polak. People from Poland are Poles. Stanley is a second generation um, American. You know, we presume that um, his parents are Polish. But what's significant is he says, but what I am is 100% American, born and raised in the greatest country on earth and proud as hell of it. Now, when he says he is 100% American, this is simply an affirmation of what constitutes the the crude and callous new American identity. This reminds me of the gaudy seed bearer stage direction all the way in scene one. What is 100, 100%, 100% American? It is a society that inherently believes in capitalism, in integration, in quite aggressive um, materialism. And it is um, a world in which Blanche cannot aspire to. It's a world far removed from Blanche, from Blanche's own conceptions of, of, you know, what it is to be American. You know, you have to imagine from Blanche's perspective, what what it means to be American is to be, you know, uh, this uh, is to be part of the mythology of the Deep South. You know, this this highly developed code of honor, pride in race and family, emphasis on chivalric attitudes, you know, fondness for rhetoric and most importantly, a romantic and nostalgic sense of conser- uh, conservatism. But... What is now American is is what Stanley typifies, what Stanley what Stanley uh, represents. Um, but anyway, so we move on, and then um, we're going to jump a little bit because then uh, Stanley goes on to talk about um, well, he calls. <sighs> sorry, I've I've lost my place now. Oh yes, so. <clears throat> He, he starts, he says, quiet in there, blah, 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 go on, Mac. He's calling Mac. But anyway, let's move on to when he talks about the ticket back to Laurel. Uh, so if you've got my edition, you know the kind, it's the bottom of page 80. Stanley is giving Blanche her birthday present. Um, well, what he says, what he calls a little birthday remembrance. We know this is not going to be good. So he says, ticket back to Laurel on the Greyhound Tuesday. The Varsuviana music steals and softly and continues playing highlight that, ladies and gentlemen. You know what the Varsuviana represents. You know, it's another example of plastic theatre rendering some kind of emotional, vulnerable truth. It is representative of the past um, of Blanche, representing the guilt that she experienced um, with Alan Gray. And of course, you know, bear in mind that Stanley is now controlling Blanche's future, her own tragic destiny. I think it's significant that the Varsuviana is playing because it suggests she's going to have to confront things that are uncomfortable. 
The next stage directions are key. Stella rises abruptly and turns her back. Blanche tries to smile. Then she tries to laugh. Then she gives both up and springs from the table. So here, of course, another, you know, symptoms of some kind of hysteria and runs into the next room. Look at these stage directions now. She clutches her throat. Now, when I read this again a couple of um, minutes ago, I said, I've read this verb somewhere. Now, I last saw the verb clutches in scene six um, when she was explaining Alan Gray. Um, I'm trying to find the quote now. Oh, yes. So this is the long uh, Alan Gray speech. When he says, he was in the quicksands and clutching at me. Yes, I suppose Williams employs the present participle verb there. And here um, the verb is clutches. Um, but that verb clutch has some kind of association with desperation, association with with death, with a sense of destruction. Um which I, you know, is is significant because she's clutching Blanche. She is clutching her throat, suggesting I think it's a, you know it's a visual representation of 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 suffocation, of desperation, um, and and then she runs into the bathroom. She does that because she needs to run into into a space that sh she claims is her own. She wants to, of course, um, move into this this uh, room, whether it's an oasis or not, to purify herself, cleanse herself. But then she's coughing. Gagging sounds are heard. Another, you know, the string there of 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 present participle verbs reenacting some kind of suffocation, some kind of you know. Uh, well, representing the, the claustrophobic nature of this of this environment, we're nearly there, guys. So anyway, Stella then says, "You didn't need to do that." Stanley says, "Don't forget all that I took off her, Stella. You needn't have been so cruel to someone as uh, alone as she is." Highlight that because what Stanley has done is something very cruel by dictating her tragic destiny, by placing her on a tragic trajectory towards death, towards some. You know, we know that Blanche is moving towards her final outcome of of going to a mental asylum. This is incredibly cruel. Um, then Stanley says, delicate piece she is. And Stella, this is key. She says, she is. She was. You didn't know Blanche as a girl. Stella did. She knows what Blanche has been through. Yeah, remember, Stanley only cares about her recent history. Stella knows um, her past, truly, because she was part of it. Nobody, nobody was tender and trusting as she was, but people like you abused her and forced her to change. People like Stanley abused her. So who, who abuses her? It's not, yes, it is Stanley. He's abused her in many ways. But remember that Stanley is a product of a culture, of a society of a new american society the milieu of this new thriving um american um culture one that um favors um one that encourages cruelty vulgarity etc 
forces the likes of Blanche that is emblematic of of the moribund deep south to change. She has to change because otherwise she can't survive. The tragedy is why we pity and fear her, that Aristotelian tempering of pity and fear, comes from the fact that she cannot adapt. Yeah, she cannot change. Anyway, next stage directions. He crosses into the bedroom, ripping off his shirt and changes into a brilliant silk bowling shirt. Highlight, highlight that costume. Another another visual representation, I think, of um, the fact that he is slowly becoming the victor. That silk bowling shirt. Um the fact you know the fact that it's brilliant it really showcases his 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 potency um but anyway let's move on a bit stella and stanley talk about um going bowling but stanley's big speech here i mean it's not really big but it's a significant one he says when we first met me and you you thought i was common how right you was baby i was common as dirt obviously an, an interesting contrast to to blanche uh you know the the whiteness the purity um he was he is common as dirt he is a proletariat he's a member of the american working classes but then you showed me the snapshot of the place with the columns. What place is this, ladies and gentlemen? That is Belle Reve. This is the, the columns motif that comes up again and again and again in play. Now, this is key. I pulled you down off them, columns. So he dragged Stella down from the upper aristocratic... Um, uh, class that she that she belonged to down to the dirty new american proletariat um but what's key here is she says and how you loved it remember stanley representative of the dionysian has a hypnotic hold on the likes of of stella yeah um and uh she enjoyed it she enjoyed it um having them colored lights going and what wasn't we happy together wasn't it all okay till blanche showed here then we have a the one of the most climactic moments in the play because uh stella's is giving birth um why is this key because it suggests we are slowly moving on towards the future a future that Blanche cannot escape into. Um, it is an affirmation of, of, of Stanley's victory. Let's move on to the final stage directions. He is with her now, supporting her with his arm, murmuring indistinguishably as they go outside. The emphasis here is on togetherness, support. Remember, they are a married couple. They're very affectionate. The Varzuviana is heard, interestingly, a symbol of the past. So even though, you know, this is acting contrapuntally, whilst we're moving now from the present, looking to the future, the Varzuviana, which is a brushstroke used by Williams to think about the past, we now have some kind of dramatic tension here. Yeah, who is going to ultimately survive? It's music rising with sinister rapidity. Highlight that, please, ladies and gentlemen. Why is it sinister? Because the past is cruel. It is it is going to ultimately destroy Blanche uh, because she is tethered to it. She's clutching to it. She cannot escape from it. As the bathroom door opens slightly and sadly, 
Blanche comes out twisting, I find this so sad, comes out twisting a washcloth. She begins to whisper the words as the light fades slowly. This is key, the light is fading, suggesting that, of course, Blanche herself is fading. She is slowly meeting her, her final tragic outcome. And then we find these four lines. El pan de mas, el pan de mas, el pan de mas sin sal. El pan de mas, el pan de mas, el pan de mas sin sal. In Spanish, it means the cornbread, the cornbread, the unsalted cornbread. Now, I've read a lot of nonsense online suggesting, yes, it is symptomatic of her mental disintegration because she is repeating um She's repeating lines. Yes, that may be true, but Williams is smarter than this, ladies and gentlemen. She's talking about cornbread, um, one that uh, is usually used as as bread of life, as some kind of, um, you know, a representation of some kind of life giver, as some kind of potent life giving force. Bread in this case does not have salt. Um, now, I think a bread without salt, this thing, a bread that is supposed to nourish a soul, nourish a human being, if it doesn't have salt, it's impotent. Yes? It cannot give life. I mean, surely this has to represent Blanche. Yes? Could it represent... Um, some kind of impotent love that she uh, that she's experienced because Stanley and Stella their love is is nourishing it is fulfilling Blanche's love that she's experienced with Alan Gray the love if you can call it that with Mitch is not exactly fulfilling um and it's of course at the moment with the arrival of of the baby you know she the, the baby itself is life giving it's a moment of 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 um the future blanche is associated with the past so it is not by chance that um blanche is quoting a mexican folk song here thank you very much for listening